at you with another episode of the NRL 22 podcast. Today I'm with Francis Cologne, who's uh, with Applied Ballistics and also a very experienced competitive shooter himself. So I'm really excited to have Francis with me today. Francis, can you tell uh, our audience a little bit about your background? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, I am a competitive shooter. I shoot primarily in the PRS center fire circuit, as well as running a local series in near the Grand Rapids. Uh, on top of that, my day job is with Applied Ballistics, so I get to spend a lot of time working with data surrounding rifles, how to get around from A to B as precisely and accurately as possible. So, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so for those of you who aren't here, we're here at a, a match in New York Mills, Minnesota, and I grabbed Francis, who's... Um, happy enough to come on and, and talk to you all, but I'm really excited because we, we did a Kestrel class earlier today, and there's a few pieces uh, of, you know, the Kestrel world and the ballistics world that I thought would be really helpful for our audience. So if you're newer to this sport, don't get overwhelmed by this information. Show up to a match. You don't have to know all this before you get there. Uh, a lot of the matches, especially the monthly matches, are shot 200 yards or 100 yards in, and some of this stuff applies a lot more the further out you go. So don't let this overwhelm you or stop you from coming to a match. So that, now that that preface is done, there's definitely some stuff that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. And I, I wanted to get applied ballistics in here um, for a while now. And one of the things that I want to talk about is uh, the science of ballistics, right? So there's not a whole lot of people out, out here measuring what bullets do downrange, right? So a lot of the manufacturers... They want to hit a certain level of quality and consistency, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're pouring tons of, of resources into research and measurement. So you guys do a lot of that. Can you walk people through kind of what you guys are work on and kind of how you got started? Yeah. So Applied Ballistics is a third-party company, meaning we're not linked with any one manufacturer uh, that essentially writes and develops software to get a ballistic solution downrange for various calibers, from 22 to rimfire to centerfire, uh, or excuse me, technically other things. We're also working on air gun currently, so we're moving into that world. That'll be really neat to see where those uh, different, uh, that different genre comes in. Is it similar to a 22? How different is it? But the, the core of what we do is really not guessing, right? Doing the science. Where does the science take you? And by science, we mean measure, 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 and then apply criteria to create better custom drag models or create a drag model for a projectile that's not necessarily based on a G1 or G7. On top of that, you know, we give a reference library of projectiles that are in centerfire that give you the actual measurements for lots of bullets that we have purchased to get a real diameter, a real weight, a real length, different bearing surface measurements, things that the downrange performance so that we can say here is the real measurement that we were we were measuring for a given lot so that when you're asking for data it's not necessarily from a manufacturer who has a, a base spec um, it says the GPVC is say 300 or 292 it's we measured it and it is plus or minus a 300 or it's hey, it's been a little lower or it's even higher than what they're claiming we rather than guess and say trust or verify we come at our, our role in the industry very open mindset, just collecting the data. This is where the data leads. Here's those here's the results. So in terms of 
collecting drag data and models, we have a Doppler radar system, which is similar to what you'd see if you were getting clocked by a, a police car. And, but it's able to emit a specific frequency that can measure the flight of a bullet downrange and give a very consistent velocity from the nozzle all the way through the time it hits the ground. We're able to take that information and apply what's called a drag box CD curves and measure the actual drag at different velocities along its flight very frequently, every foot to yard type of frequency. Uh, and in doing so, we're able to give very consistent velocity measurements, which translates into drag, which means give solutions as to how it based on the drag of a specific projectile. All right, and unfortunately, we had a little bit of a, a mechanical failure in the truck, so we can't do this weekend. Yeah. Um, but normally you guys travel around the country and you bring these um, the ability to, to measure this with your actual animal and your actual rifle at a bunch of different locations, right? Right. Yeah, we have a schedule throughout the beginning of the year that goes usually six to ten matches throughout the course of the season, from ELR to 22 to PRS matches, really everything in between. We're looking for different matches regionally, but also trying to find matches with different shooters and different venues and types of shooting so that we can engage with as many different types of shooters as possible and collect as much different information for shooters as possible. Right. So do you have any, like, either personally or business-wise, long-term plans or, or things that you're really interested in once you have enough data for you're really going to you know, be able to answer a question? Yeah, I guess some things we've already created that we're actually just about to come out. We just launched something called the Science of Accuracy Academy. So applied ballistics in the past has worked primarily through books, but also our software. Well, we want we launched the Science of Accuracy Academy, which is www.thescienceofaccuracy.com. And that website contains not only our own applied ballistics podcast, but reference material on books and PDMs, uh, different blog posts and articles and videos, a bunch of information so that if you want to learn more about the science of bullets go down range, we discuss a lot of that in detail in that subscription site. And there's some free components to it. There's also paid components. So it's a great site to reference for more in detail on these, on these types of topics uh, that you can work at in your own pace. So another really cool advancement is we, we just released another book or launched another book. It's almost about to ship to, to the pre-orders. Um, long range, it's just modern advancements, volume. It's volume three now, and uh, it specifically covers topics related to precision. In the past, we've worked primarily on topics uh, not just in precision, but on muzzle velocity and uh, different variables and practices like reloading and different attributes of the bullet, run out, uh, annealing, kind of like a MythBuster style approach. Well, in this book, we, we attempted to focus more on things that affect precision in a lot of from tuners to the, it's called the mass dynamic of a rifle, so high recoiling, high velocity rounds versus low recoiling, low velocity rounds versus kinetic energy. We say, is there a, can you find a link between what makes rifle A all else being equal, two, two, three? Can it be more accurate or less accurate than say three hundred wind mag in its game? And the answer, you know, we found was not as a mini spoiler, but also the book to find out more, so to speak. It's very difficult to take an eight pound 300 wind bag and have it outperform a 
20 pound 223. It's extraordinarily difficult. And we were able to identify some of the causal relationships between why that relation, that, how that occurs. That's really and cool. So it's a, it's a really great book. There's a lot of It goes through a lot of great topics that are, in some cases, very high level, but there's always a beginning and a sort of summary in the beginning and the end to help you understand it, sort of the everyman. And in between, there's some science, but it's not like math formulas, etc. It just gives you the kind of an everyday uh, breakdown, really good, easy to read explanations on how bullets, why the topic, what happens, and how we got it from the end. It feels to me, so I, I won the bundle last year. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. school. Great. So I, I got. flow state. If you find the flow state while you're just having fun 
just relaxed enough to not feel edgy when something misses, but not so relaxed that you're just lazy in certain lazy in your motions or lazy in your data or your processing. At the same time, not so on edge that a miss just tells you the irate or something over and it's that's all you can think about for hours. You know, there's a happy balance. That is what to me ends up being a test of self. Because there is a learned experience and it kind of mirrors life. PRS, NRL, PRS 22, all of the above, all the types of precision rifle shooting are generally speaking about 10 to 20 minutes pulling triggers with eight hours of really mundanity, right? So you have a whole lot of nothing. In that mundanity, there's a lot of stress. Like you think, I don't know if I know how to do this, it peaks, and then your adrenaline's up, cortisol is up, and then just before you're ready to go to the stage, it just skyrockets. As soon as you start pulling the stage, you have to learn to bring your stress levels down and still get through a plan that you created. And then once you're done, okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought. And then evaluate, recoup, reset, and start it over again. So to me, I find a lot of comfort learning to manage the stress levels that I feel so that I can get sort of that quote-unquote flow state more frequently. And then, yeah, you just kind of bop around, listen to music, pay attention to safety. Exercise of futility and chasing your tail, 
because you see around high on the target, then low on the target, and far you left. And if you chased every single round, even with perfect data, you can actually move your average group or average uh, shot dispersion pattern off the target, in which case you're very likely to miss. And you move that miss to the center and moves opposite side of the group again. It misses on the other side the opposite way. At some point you have to accept that we don't shoot laser guns, but we shoot shotguns one pellet at a time, so to speak. And some of them have a really good choke, some of them don't. If you get close, the better your data, the more samples you have. So the more rounds you send without changing anything, the better idea you have, the better those rounds are going to be increasing as it moves on target. So not changing anything can sometimes give you more information than changing things shot to shot. So especially as you're new, resist the temptation to change quickly, like one shot to the next to the next, just so you can verify that what you saw was real. Just finished shrewing and zeroing, and I was almost a half a mil dispersion pattern at 325 yards. It went from, and it was just kind of random. I know that's normal. That range, given that we're shooting it, it's extraordinarily normal to have a one mil followed by a one and a half mil shot followed by a one mil, just everywhere in between. All I mean is bullets are not going to fall on top of each other during fire the way they do, like in center fire. They just aren't. They're very wind sensitive, very velocity sensitive. So, uh, with that, you have to give it some leeway and lower your expectations. I guess is the, the summary of that, unfortunately. <laughs> no, but see, so this is good because uh, one of the things that I've really come into probably in the last nine months or so is that this wasn't on me. And that's yes. a huge lesson to learn because otherwise you're overcorrecting. And so I, for a long time, was like, I don't even know what I'm doing wrong anymore. I probably was doing exactly what you were describing. And so having that ability to know, like you mentioned um, in the class today too, knowing your equipment, like the bag of your hand, like without a doubt, yes. having that nailed down is huge. And I'm finally at the point where I know my rifle and I know my ammo, um, and I'm getting to know my pesto. We're starting to become friends. Yep. Um, hopefully a little bit better because my DSF got overwritten when I updated the firmware. So oh, I'm going to no. try your new your, two, your new method of setting DSF. So it's a good test. Yes. Let's see if I have two. Um, so now that I have that and I'm confident enough in myself, I feel more confident when I'm seeing it. Because before yes. I think I saw what I saw, but didn't necessarily know. So having all of that um, is really starting to make this picture of, of shooting come together really in terms of being a competitor and being able to not panic. Yeah. If you see things going not exactly, if you're hitting targets at 70 to 80 percent, that's a pretty good starting point. In fact, that's really good for most matches. Um, if you're hitting 30, 40, 50 percent and you're a new shooter, also really good as a brand new shooter. So at some point in between, you have to have appropriate expectations for the learning curve. And the hard part of it. As a new shooter, you don't know what you don't know, so you don't know what's acceptable or not. You just sometimes you know that I can shoot a one-inch pacer at 50 yards. I can shoot a two-inch pacer at 200 yards. So why am I missing a 200-yard shot or a 100-yard shot on the same size target? Well, the answer is the uncertainty, the fact that it's not you on your bench after shooting with your auto and getting comfortable. Then you have movement, you have wind, you have all the things that. You only get 10 shots at that target, or you only have a couple of shots at that target. 
it's not it's not fair to judge yourself on misses other than just taking the information and saying, hey, that's good info. So mindset around misses really transform how fast you progress in your sport because miss is just as, if not more valuable than an impact more often than not. If you see it. Right. If you see it and if you don't see it, you don't panic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think getting impacts when I'm being sloppy is actually more detrimental to my shooting than oh, misses because I like I like the punishment when I'm not hitting the right stuff. That miss it hurts when you know it's you. Yeah, it's oh, it's the, almost more frustrating when you hit a target you know you shouldn't have because you're like, well, I just missed the opportunity to know what the was that. So was that me or the wind? Did the wind was it a slow round? And like you then you start to question maybe I wasn't actually and how I broke the shot was actually correct and I saw it tonight and then it actually is more confusing yeah, because you just thought you were supposed to hold X wing and dial so much it still hits but I dialed wrong or did I? You start second guessing <laughs> you're second guessing things like that so yeah, um, yeah I mean in general I think the, the biggest principle that you know, if I had to say what do you want to get out of competition as a viewer shooter and a pastoral or data it's Baby steps. Know your information, your rifle. So know your rifle hold. Key learning curve in the learning system, in the system around your solver and your kestrel or whatever thing, thing you're using to collect data. Uh, if it's just paper at different yardages, awesome. That's perfect. Just make sure you have a great system to keep track of those over time. And if you transition to a kestrel or fly ballistics app or another phone app, make sure you have a system to learn all of those inputs perfectly what they do. And if, if you need to buy a book to do so, do it. Uh, don't always rely on the internet because there's sites on forums that will give you almost good information. Try to go as, to as many sources as you can to vet the information you think is right. Because it literally only takes one input or one unit, yards versus meters, or you know, zero height and using zero height instead of sight height or setting your sight height. There's just so many small nomenclature words that can be transposed or misunderstood that it can cause some, literally, you can wrap yourself around an axle and never get anywhere and think, this product doesn't work, this solver and computer system doesn't work. It's really not. It's just garbage in, it's garbage out. Right. That makes a lot of sense. This is something where I, I felt very lucky to have Justin with me in my learning journey because he is he's a data nerd and he just digs this stuff, which is perfect because I find it incredibly overwhelming. So there's a ton of people that you can reach out to to help you with this stuff. I see people all the time. Newer people come to the match and they're like, hey, can you help me? I, I know for a fact without even asking that you're someone that people will probably should ask you about this and you probably help set up many, many profiles for people. I can only imagine. So, you know, make sure that you're, you're just getting out there and asking those questions. And don't let that be a stopping point for you getting out there. Um, and on that note, and touching on some of the things that you said about mixing up some of the, the vocabulary, what are the most common mistakes you see people make when they're new to using ballistics calculators? Um, that's a good question. One of the easy ones to make, especially as a 22 shooter, is not setting your units to measure your scope properly, i.e. in your solver, there are, there's an input that tells you what unit you're using. 
not setting that as a brand new, not setting that to mils where you're shooting mils, using inches uh, or IPHY instead of OA or OA. That can be a problematic, can be a problematic issue as you move forward because it will work until it doesn't. And when the errors are finally so small that it's now only just starting to cause you to miss, you start to shift other parts of your game, your muzzle velocity, your BC, or your zero, to try to account for it. Really, the error is way back on at the foundation of the inputs. Um, another one is assuming your zero is the same, meaning it's perfect. Perfect is a very difficult thing to achieve in terms of accuracy on target. Putting a 10-round group on your point of aim, usually there is some amount of offset for your zero. You might have a slightly windy day where your rounds, especially with 22, where your rounds are drifting into the center of the target because of a little bit of wind that you haven't accounted for. But your real zero, if you were to somehow remove that wind right away, is say a tenth or two or three to the left, or you were influencing the rifle to manipulate it to zero, even though you were just pressing the mag wrong and not using a lot of shots. And your first shot hits the taster and you call it even. Really, it was just a flyer that hit the target hit where you want it to. Um, that can cause a lot of downrange issues because as you go further out, it's really hard to come back from a zero that's two to three tenths off. You assume it's perfect. Uh, same thing with muzzle velocity. Uh, muzzle velocity can be set to something that's either too high or too low. Not knowing how to define good muzzle velocity, just assume that the box is correct. Like it says it's standard velocity at 1050. Well, it might be. Those are major, major differences that absolutely affect your downrange performance without ways to verify it. Change your tail all day. There's some practical ways to, to do it, but those are the biggest things. Zero, muzzle velocity, inputs for your shooter, for a brand new shooter. And if someone was looking for um, resources, you mentioned the call target test earlier. Yeah. And I thought about so, so if someone's really interested in following the best practice for setting that up or following that group, what's your recommendation? Do you have any resources that you can start? Yeah, so the Oculus's website has some resources. Also, the Academy has some resources. Uh, there's, you know, if you Google search uh, tall target test, there's a lot of ways that it'll show you. But I would say the Applied Ballistics website is a really good place to start because we'll give you a, there's a, actually a paper you can download that walks you through a checklist for all of the components that you need to put into your solver to verify to shoot out the rifle and make sure that the profile is set properly, as well as shooting it at distance is done correctly. When you can say yes to all those checkboxes, it's really difficult to walk through your solutions. So that's the best resource for now. Kestrel also has a lot of resources if you're using a Kestrel product. They have a lot of great learning resources and handouts. Those are the two that I recommend most. And then, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about, so you said, you mentioned your rifle earlier. So we know kind of that you guys have covered quite a bit of centerfire cartridges and things like that, and then you've done a lot more recently with your fire measurements and things like that, measuring them on Doppler. Now you're starting to dabble in the air rifle space. Yeah. Can you tell us more about what you're working on with that and what you're excited about? It's, you know, it's really exploratory just at this point where we've only literally just started a few air rifles. We're trying to, we 
myriad of projectiles, uh, learning about the settings for air rifles, tracking them over radar, velocities. It really is sort of almost too early to say like, we don't have any real big insights, uh, but I think we will very soon. Resource for air gun shooters to be able to do the same thing that we do with 22s consistently range with air rifles. A lot of them already are. If you go to air rifles and it's just there's not a lot of resources for projectiles and things for looking to choose things. Right. Well, and that's, that seems like that's the commonality here that uh, Applied Ballistics is coming in and, and solving for, right? There's all these cartridges that have been around forever and rifles that have been around forever. And people have been shooting for a really long time, but the data behind it, what's actually happening, I mean, we can see what we can see, but the human brain is not a perfect measurement tool. So, yeah, so to have actually scientific data to support that is really cool and really exciting. It's, it's neat to be able to watch projects come to fruition after months and years in the making. Absolutely. Well, Francis, do you mind sticking around to do a little Sure. Perfect. So I got some questions from some listeners that um, I particularly was excited to have Francis on to help answer. Um, and one of them comes from Garth Aldridge, and he wants to know um, what is your stage preparation uh, like? Well, so he's specifically asking about to talk about the mental game, and I, I specifically would like to dissect that into when you're getting ready to shoot a stage. What's your process? So there's two parts. So I, on top of all the things that I do, I run another podcast as well. It's called Miles to Matches. I will definitely link to that. Yeah. It's a it's something that my buddy Chad and I, Chad Heckler is a friend of mine. We shot the BT Cup series with him last year, both pro-level shooters. We spend a lot of time with him. We also spend a lot of time on the phone talking about how to be better shooters from the most basic thing. How do we clean right? How do we prove to ourselves that we're testing for what's the best process to avoid this type of error ever again. So that podcast is really how do we start, and this is kind of a long way of getting around to the answer. Chad is very methodical and the, the way in which we communicate and how we work together has allowed us to develop better and better systems to eliminate mental errors as a result of working together. Uh, and I have something that works, I share it with him, hey this is helpful share something that's worked really well for him so I can eliminate any error, whether it's dialing incorrectly, not you know, not shooting the right stage and drills to work on target acquisition or becoming more stable off of a wobbly prop. I mean, literally, the sky's the limit. So in the podcast, you know, there's a, several different episodes that we have that go through the mental game and what we've done not only to mentally prepare for a stage, to physically prepare for a stage or for a match. So in in terms of mental preparation, most of it is becoming familiar with your equipment and trying to tease anxiety due to the unknown. You don't know what the wind is, but the has a range, you just have to accept that it's going to be unknown until you fire your first shot. Um, but the better you understand the course of fire for that stage, rereading it the night before, so that the night before a match, I'll read every single stage in the match book two-day match, and also put in backup dope for an average temp for the match, 
So I think it's good to seven degrees. Not only reading the stage and kind of mentally rehearsing it, putting in a backup joke so that if an orchestral dies, or if I'm writing joke down and, I, and I'm doing it live, if I get a vastly different number than what I had in orchestral, well, I have done something wrong. Let's double check what I did and done wrong. And it forces me to rethink where's the mistake here? Now I'm going to really dissect it because I should have number every single time, or else we do um, Once I do all that, I actually, before I go to bed, I rehearse the first five to seven stages that I'm going to sing the next morning, just before I go to bed. It's in my mind, stage one, we'll play here, this position, this position, this position, and just imagine rounds hitting the center of a target from a very small target, a really long ways away from a really hard position, because I want to give myself some comfort that I can achieve under the worst conditions. So when we get there and it's a lot easier, I've already got some, some comfort around even better conditions, I'm even more prepared. Uh, prior to the stage, I've written my first finding the targets, assessing where the targets are located, which sequence we're shooting them, examine the props, the shooting order on the prop do I want to go in three and two. I'll prepare my dope card, prep my turret before I go to the stage, and if it's my turn to shoot, I'm doing my rifle checklist, which is pretty long in and of itself, but everything from parallax, elevation, vintage, is my bipod sight, are the legs extended the way I want them, is you know, my bolts open, is my first round all the way seated to the rear of the magazine, magazine is fully loaded, it's inserted, press deck, there is a long checklist. Um, but once that's complete, it's just a couple of exhales, repeat the course of fire to the RO, the shooter is ready, stop my music, engage, it's a long exhale, and once you've systematized what works for you, it's, it's kind of unique to every person. So my process uh, is in the neighborhood of 50-ish items from the time I get off the stage to the time I'm shooting another stage. It's a lot. But there are things that if you ignore, they may not bite you, they may not hurt you. They also could at the worst possible time. So uh, mentally, I'm really preparing more by just doing physical things to become more comfortable, which uses my mental state to be more relaxed on stage. Gotcha. And is that something where, I'm assuming you didn't go out after the first match and come up with a list of 50 things that you did, and then all of a sudden the next match you can do 50 things, right? So is that something where, kind of like, for example, I short uh, stacked my magazine once, and then I came up with a system, and I reload my magazine to full capacity after every single stage. I won't talk to people, that's a really good example of something where a break in concentration is, for instance, come off the stage, you have a shot at me, Hardy really wants to know what happened about some shot that you missed. Hey, what were you holding there? You have an option to engage and talk to them. And if you do, there is a strong chance as a newer shooter you will forget to do something and immediately follow it. So, loading mags is one of them. So, when I'm off the stage, rifle chamber flag in, mag out, rifle is staged, immediately turn my dope, my turret back to zero, back to my bag, right down to the score of my tripod, write in the notes for missed shots, takeaways from missed here, improve this, focus on this for the next stage, confirm a dope or a wind call for the next stage, immediately down to dropping grass, empty, empty grass gets reloaded, strip all the rounds that were remaining in my mag out, there's three left, go to my mag, load 12 in, Load mag. Oh, my backup mag? I haven't touched it all day. I still double check my backup mag to make sure it's full. So the 
so to answer the question, no, it didn't start as Bitcoin Banks. It started as two. <laughs> Do I have a dial? Yes. Am I ready? Sure. Like, that was about it. But it slowly evolved into finding something that lost at a point and implementing something to prevent that point from being lost in the future. That is, unfortunately, one of the harder parts about this work is you either have to commit to doing so much shooting that you can experience all those firsthand, or you just have to trust somebody like me or like you and hear, hear somebody say, you need to do peaceful things. Really? Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, are you, you can't just kind of fly by the seat of your pants. It's just going to ultimately cost you more in the long run than if you just have a better system. Right. Absolutely. And more frustration, depending on your personality. Some people can be totally at peace with it. I I still can picture the points I've left on the table at matches. Like, I can recite oh, probably yeah. 10 of them and really stop the top of my head. So it's, uh, it's definitely fun. Yeah, humans have a really characteristic. I can remember the very best performance we've ever had, almost irrespective of how far away, how long ago it was. But we also remember the very worst that are very recency, recency effect, primacy effect, the things that happened very recently to us that were the worst, we also have those stick out like a sore thumb in the middle. So we'll remember the worst stages we had far easier than we will the very best stage we've ever had. The further you get away from only remember one of the best events that's ever happened and it's extremely fulfilling or extremely positive. But negatives, you can we can remember the bad things because we're hardwired to avoid bad things. And if you don't remember that, oh you might get you know wander. you might have gotten eaten by a bear or yeah. oh don't walk into caves because there's mountain lions in there. Whatever. Who knows what you like really Yeah, it's so true. And it's actually from what I've learned about you know performance and things like that. People like yourself talk about you're talking about getting into that flow state and things like that. It's bad for us to be focused on thinking about the ways that we fail. Aside from the here's how to correct it the next time, once you get past that, you're really not the more you focus on the what you've done wrong, the less likely you are to succeed the next time uh, at a certain point. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's definitely a framing effect that occurs while you're trying to position a quote unquote failure is a word I don't like to use often in my vocabulary. It's a learning opportunity or a challenge to be overcome. Because just the simple, if I were to say, I missed, hey, how'd that stage go? Man, I dropped six points. You've immediately acknowledged to yourself that you are a person who is dropping points, not somebody who hit three or nine or four or whatever it would be. And there's a very small difference between, yeah, man, I hit four versus, oh, I dropped six. There's a negative reinforcement that's occurring while you're saying, I dropped six. You are expected to continuously drop points. That framing of the six points would be, no, I actually learned that the wind was a little bit stronger than I thought as I got to further targets. So I have a really good wind call now for the next further ranges. And I picked up some information about my rifle from that position. It seems, it seems like I was shooting a little high. So I'm going to start working, tracking my elevation a little bit more consistently. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on. My dope is high, and I've got to God. My solver's bad. You can reframe virtually anything negative into a positive with the right approach. And that will force a negative experiment, experience to last less long, but also be something you're more likely to respond positively to, which means in the future, future stages should go a lot better for you. So, 
that's something that Chad and I work on so incredibly hard because it's such an it's such a positive, important force when perfection is virtually unattainable in this school. So failure is all but guaranteed if your litmus test is either one, one or zero, you are gonna fail every time you miss. Right. But if and golf is another one like that, and I came from the golf industry, so you know, there is no such thing as perfect in golf. You're just simply trying to limit the damage. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's and in this case, it's a lot like that in our PRS or range. We're really just trying to limit the amount of times that our information is wrong, that our position is less than stable. And we learn from it to not make a mistake, but instead to learn about how not to make a mistake, learn how to be more correct. That's a, that's a really positive statement. Learn positivity and figuring out is a very, very important component in most schools. I think shifting my thinking from you know, how to hit targets to how to increase my probability of hitting targets was, mm -hmm. was a big shift for me. Because you can't, to your point, there's so many variables in the sport, you can't control all of them. But what you can do is be knowledgeable about all of them enough to increase your probability of impacting that target yeah. a lot higher, right? Yeah, if I had a tip for anybody who's newer to this that's trying to understand golf, how do you even go about reframing something? A miss is a miss is a miss. Well, not exactly, right? You can actually identify potential causes for misses by just saying, did you miss left and right? Yep, I missed to the right, one to the left, or just... I missed side to side, and I missed one or two shots high and low, and maybe I didn't, I timed out on a shot, so you timed out on something, or you never fired the shot because you timed it out, or you engaged the wrong target. Just note the, the root cause as wrong target ID, or call it something I would call a procedural error. The wrong target is something that you could have prevented simply with a better understanding. It requires nothing physically of you, short of just reading then creating a plan. That would be a procedural mistake or a procedural learning opportunity. Next you have your precision, which is left or right. Are you is your round accuracy left or right of the target? Which is usually wind, more often than not, but at least you know if it's left or right. And then high or low. And if it's you know, precision or accuracy related, just note the direction. Uh, and then the last one would be just call it the wobble zone or something where you're unable to break a precise shot. Know that it was just so difficult to keep the rifle in a stable environment or in a stable position that you weren't able to control a precise amount. And that sort of breaks it into three. One is trainable in a match or trainable at your home range through dry fire, through position training, tracking how your reticle moves when you breathe, how things are back, or some type of prop. Um, another one is just learning your systems and your fundamentals of interpretation of a statement. So you can avoid things with your systems. Then the others are downrange. Is your data trending correctly? And are your wind stalling or your wind falling skills um, at a strong enough level to compete? Or can you be better at it? So those are the four categories I generally refer to when breaking down my match work for a student. That's a, good, that's a good way to break it down to you know, focus on one thing at a time. I, I try to point newer shooters to work on the procedure stuff because it's mm -hmm. easiest to dissect. Low hanging fruit. Exactly. Because you can see that small success right away, and then I kind of work on um, you know the fundamentals piece to make sure that you're executing properly to again increase your odds. And then kind of the third component is that you know building different positions. What's the most stable? How to how to become more stable? Things like that. So it's interesting 
seeing you bring that into the different talks. I think, you know, in terms of taking the bite of the elephant one at a time, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What's cool is when you get done, you write all of them out as a list. Stage one through stage 10, you just put a one, a 10, and next to it, the things that occurred on each stage, and then the next, and the next, and the next. Just take a highlighter of one of those four colors, and just highlight whichever one has the most color, and you can decide quickly whether that's the thing that's causing you pain. For instance, let me give you an example. Go into the line with no bullets in your bag. You have an empty bag, or two rounds in your bag from last stage, and oh no, you only dropped eight points due to one simple procedural error. That's low-hanging fruit, right. especially if it's we're shooting the wrong target. Okay, target ID. You just need to be able to ID the target properly so that you don't miss the wrong thing ten times when nobody's telling you it's the wrong target. Or is it? I don't know. Yeah. Those low-hanging fruit moments are arguably what most people deem as I'm getting better. It's incrementally harder after that. Once you've eliminated the easiest sources of error, everything left is like, oh, I just I chase intense points on average. to a center fire match to go show them 
how quickly he worked for executing eight to ten shots on targets that make their minds spin. You just hope they have the big dare to want to be better than what they are now. Because that's to me what the PRS is going to do. NRL is going to do. They can give you an outlet to kind of be better for you. Whatever that looks like. to change themselves than they have been. They're even more of a competitive scene. It's pretty fun to be competitive with yourself. That's the only reason you do it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, um, Centerfire, I think, is also it's growing, but that one, again, is very linked to the ammo difficulty and finding ammo costs comparing it is, is an order of magnitude more costly than the Punisher. Got my Centerfire rifle's been collecting dust in my seat for a while. I so, yeah. don't ever ask for and I'm teaching them the entire team of time. This is the other problem. Someday I'll get I'll get back to it. Yeah. I'll yeah. get in there. I'll start reloading something. There's so much uh so much information that, that's out there and so much learning that, that can be done in all these sports. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Francis. I really appreciate your time. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? No, I would just say get out there, have fun, shoot a little, learn a lot. Stay positive. Awesome. We have a saying, and Chad and I have our own saying too. It's own it every day because the match has already started. There's always something you can do today to prepare for tomorrow. And your results today are always a product of what you've done. So own it every day because the match has already started. That's great. That's great advice. I like that. Perfect. Well, thank you all so much for listening and joining us today. Keep sharing the love.